the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast brought to you by FanDuel. I'm your host today, Brendan Glasheen, as we begin another glorious NFL season next Thursday, Rams Bills in LA. I'm sure most of our listeners out there, you're going to participate in one or two or 20 NFL pools over the course of the season. Pick them pools, survivor pools, whatever the case may be, NFL pools, incredibly popular, and they're an easy way to stay invested during the season. That's why today, We're delighted to welcome in two experts in the field of NFL pool strategy. First, we have Travis Reed, a KG Silverback veteran here at Action Network who creates some of our best content when it comes to pools. Travis, welcome. Why don't you give the folks at home an understanding of what you're all about? Thanks, Brendan. Yeah, I've been with Action Network since its uh, inception. Uh, Before that, I was with Sports Insights. I've been interested in sports betting for 15 plus years. Love that intersection between sports and numbers. These prize pools are just huge now. I think it's a great way to play a fun game that even a novice can play all the way to we're going to give you some of these advanced kind of uh, ways how to play this the correct way. Love it. And next up, we have Jason Lisk, who joins us from Pool Genius. That's become the top-rated source for algorithmic NFL pool picks and strategy. Action Network is joining forces with Pool Genius for Survivor and Pick'em Pool contests because they offer the most in-depth, customizable NFL pool advice our team has found anywhere. Jason, welcome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what makes Pool Genius stand apart when it comes to NFL pools? Absolutely. I've also been huge into pools for as long as I can remember. I got in doing some analysis with Pro Football Reference back in the day. And if you're familiar with the website Team Rankings, Pool Genius is the brand associated with the pool products with Team Rankings. So we have a couple of products that are relevant for football season. We have the NFL Survivor Picks product, and we have the Football Pick and Picks product. Survivor Pick, obviously specific to Survivor pools, but gives you customized picks for up to 30 picks. That's not entries, that's 30 picks, multiple pick weeks, etc. But as long as you have 30 live picks, you can get up to that many. We also have other tools like season planner tools, optimal path and EV calculator tools for your survivor pool needs. And then there's the pick and picks product, which gets into things like spread versus game winner, confidence pools or not confidence, all sorts of different types of football pools. And you can set up any number of pools there and get customized advice on how to win each. Well, we really enjoy having you back and look forward to today's episode. For any listeners looking for an advantage this season, you can access a free trial of Pool Genius for NFL Week 1 by heading to poolgenius.com slash action, where you can also receive up to 55% off a season subscription. Again, that's poolgenius.com slash action, or just follow the link in this episode's description. All righty, let's get into the good stuff, gents. Today, we're going to discuss the two most popular types of NFL pools. You've got survivor pools and pick them pools. We'll start with survivor. From a data perspective, Jason, what are the most important components to consider before selecting your survivor pool pick? How do you assign value? With survivor pools, there's really three key things you need to think about if you're going to attack survivor pools in an objective strategic way. 
You need to think about your risk, win odds or safety, or the odds your, your pick loses, or however you want to phrase it. You need to think, though, about your reward, which is really measured in the popularity or lack of popularity of your pick versus the rest of the teams people could pick, because you only win when others lose. It's a zero-sum game, and so you really need to think beyond your own pick and what others are doing. And so that's the second element is what others are doing. And then the third element is what's going to happen in the future, because Making a good pick now might hurt you in the future if the pick is even better. If, if say, the Bills are great to have in the second half of the season, using them in week four may be a poor strategic move, even if it helps you advance now. Travis, how about yourself? Assigning value out of the gate, what's the strategy? The key thing you want to do is always gain equity in your pool each and every week. A lot of people just think it's a survive and advance type thing. Pick the team most likely to win. But if you're starting in week one, what's the best way to win your pool? If you're trying to maximize that, you want to hopefully win with the worst team possible while the maximum number of your opponents lose. And really, that's what you're trying to do each and every week. Now, it's, it's a tricky puzzle. Like Jason, there's a lot of different pieces of that. But really, instead of just trying to win that week, try to gain equity each week. And I think if people do that, they'll kind of think of it in a different way. And that's really, I think, the best way to win your survivor pool. So how much can the specific rules of a given survivor pool impact the value of a pick? And I know that really that's a, that's a giant question because, but trying to, trying to look at it, if you, just generically speaking, if, if, if just going off of what most pools or survivor pools are typically constructed as, what are some important rules to be aware of? And I know something that often comes up early often is tiebreakers too, Jason. The rules do absolutely matter in a survivor pool. You're going to use a different strategy in, say, a pool with 20 of your friends than you are to win, for example, the $100 entry that, that's going to have thousands of people. You're going to want to play that differently. Some of the different variations of rules that come up that, that you want to play strategically. Uh, multi-picks is the big one we see. Some pools add in weeks where you have to pick more than one team. That's a huge factor. If you, if you have that, you really have to plan those teams out for example. And so that's one. Strikes, buybacks. Those are cases where you can take a loss and stay in the contest, or you can take a loss and pay more to get back into it. And in those cases, you have different risk profiles than you would in just a pool where that's not the case. So all of those factors come in to, to dictate how much risk you take, how safe you need to be, all that stuff. Every single year in the last decade that we have public pick data, over half of all entries are gone by week four. By the end of week four, every year, there hasn't been a year where it's been over 50% to make it. If you're with 20 people, you're going to be under 10 within four or five weeks. So you don't have to plan to be as strong in weeks 11, 12, 13 with 20 people. If you're playing in a 2000 person field, you really got to think, how am I getting to week 18? How am I getting to week 18 with a pick that matters? That's going to win me when everybody else is on the 60% favorite, because that's all they got left. How am I going to beat them? That's a big strategic difference. Makes sense. I mean, it, and you're speaking to probably people that it relate exactly to what you're talking about as it pertains to the smaller groups. Travis, do you have some rules of thumb as well that you're keen on? I think another one that you want to take into account is the buy-in and how many times you can multi-enter a contest. If you have a hundred bucks to spend on this, instead of entering one contest that costs a hundred that other people can enter 10 times, do a $10 contest that you can enter 10 times. 
Because anytime you're entering once and somebody else has 10 shots at it, they're going to have a much better chance to reach the end. And it allows you to spread out your variance. You know, you don't have to use all 10 picks on the same team. You can spread those teams out. And like Jason said, half of those entries are probably dead by week four, but you have another five that you can still play with. So going down a level in how much you're spending and getting multi uh, entered is a much better strategy than just spending it all on one. Here's the elephant in the room. We know when you enter any kind of pool, there's risk. It's high risk, right? But what folks are wondering, and maybe someone that's tuning in, wants to get in a survivor pool for the first time. What's the right time to make riskier decisions? I'm sure both of you can use historical references based on your experience as examples. That's to me a a huge, a huge question. I'm assuming when we're talking risk here, we're talking immediate risk this week. I'm taking a team that's a five-point favorite instead of a 10-point favorite, right? Uh, which is obviously is increasing your risk. When you would want to do those things, it, typically it, it could be earlier in the year because that's when most people are more conservative because they have everybody available. But that's not always the case, but that's a general rule. Travis referenced equity earlier. It's the same concept that we call expected value, right? Same thing. When are you getting equity? When are you increasing your expected value? You do that when you take on more risk, when you get one of two things. Either you've got a lot of people concentrate on one or two teams where the payoff is huge if that result hits. So let's say there's an 80% favorite that 50% of the pool's on, right? Half the pool's on this 80% favorite. You're taking on maybe a 70% team that nobody's picking, maybe 5% of the pool. Well, that's a huge payoff for one and a half times the risk. You're probably increasing your equity in that case, your expected value. That's one case when the payoff is huge. The other case is when you can save a good team for a big payoff in the future. You make a pick knowing, man, I'm going to be on the wrong end of this week. I'm, I'm a little riskier, but I'm saving this team. When I can point to this year, the Chargers in week three, probably going to be the biggest favorite of the week against Houston. That's a week that otherwise looks fairly flat right now. So they're going to be really popular, just knowing how people pick in the first month of the season when that presents itself. But because everybody picks them, you're going to maybe have better equity long-term in the contest if you save them, because then you can hammer people when nobody else can pick them later on. You know, it's funny you bring that up too, because Houston, for example, you get them week one, they play home against Indy. And we saw what Houston did last year in week one, totally stunning us. And and granted, the Jaguars are not anything special. Urban Meyer, we found out, was a freaking train wreck. But (laughs) the Texans beat the Jaguars rather handedly. Looking at the the Texans this year, they play home Indy, as I mentioned. Then they play at Denver. But a lot of folks could pick Denver week one when Russell Wilson plays a really crappy Seattle team. Man, you two already have my mind spinning. Travis, what what do you have for us in terms of the right time to make risky choices. First of all, calling Urban Meyer train wreck is an insult to all train wrecks. <laughs> but if you're in a large pool, I think every week is a good time to get risky, especially early, like Jason said, because like you said, it's not just fading teams, but you're also taking teams that nobody else is taking. Right. Um, and it just puts you on a different path throughout the rest of the season. So not only are you being contrarian early, but it lets you – be contrarian week six, week eight, week 10. If you, you know, assume you keep make it, you can basically just kind of snowball that equity as each week goes along. So now, like we said, if you're in a group of 20 friends, uh, you could probably play it pretty safe. Again, just to avoid those huge favorites. Like when there's a team that's a 14 point favorite 
and all your buddies are on them, just take somebody else. You can even take the second biggest favorite. Maybe it's just, you know, you and another guy, but that's just a, that's just always a better play because if you do get that stunning upset, um, you know, then you're only head to head to win the whole thing. It's important to actually look at the data and the pick data. That's one thing we have is public pick popularity. So we can see when teams are popular. Week one, for example, there's no really popular team right now. Those spreads kind of indicate that, right? Yeah, no they're kind of than bunch, so, so actually getting super risky and taking, like we were talking about risky teams. I want to say what those are. You don't have to take underdogs in, in survivor pools. You might take like a, a 65 to 70% team, like a six point favorite instead of the double digit favorite. But you don't have to be taking pickums and underdogs. But in week one, there's no huge spread this year. And right, right now, according to our data, there's no team being picked by over 20% of the public. So there's really no like huge upside to getting to taking like a three point favorite in week one. You're probably better off taking one of those teams and playing against one of the others and making your decision and stand honestly uh, in week one. Week one is a good example to look at future value uh, this year. Granted, week one's when we know the least about these teams, like Baltimore. I, I think Baltimore is going to be a pretty good team. So even though if they are dead, even in expected value, just looking at this week, you know, looking at future value for some of these teams, I'd rather take one of these teams that, you know, doesn't have as high as a win total that maybe can still squeak through in the first week. Okay. So uh, Travis, I like, I like the direction you just headed because it kind of relates to the next talking point here as far as what's the typical pool behavior over time. And it's hard, understandably, everybody's like this. We're so focused on week one and then we just have to see it for ourselves to then digest through Monday night, week one, to then let our brains shift to week two and everyone overreacts to what might be a hectic week one. It probably will be because we're all so freaking excited. So Jason, we'll go to you first on this. Yeah. What, what have you noticed changes over time with typical behavior during uh, pool season, if you will? If you're talking year to year, I, I, I think in survivor, we have seen maybe slightly sharpening of players over the last decade, slightly. I mean, I, I, I use that. I, I think most people still play, the typical survivor pool player and why you can gain edge on them is because they think only about their pick. I still think that's the majority. I do think data and, and the ability to do more research has, has improved kind of the upper 25% of survivor pool players. Um, so that's one thing um, within a season, you know, I don't know that I see much change during that season. Uh, you're going to want to focus on your specific pool, by the way, I, I, like if you know your friends or if you're in a large pool, see how they're picking, like yeah. look at the public data, but then see what your pool does and adjust off of it because reacting to what your pool does is probably the most important. Um, when we, when we're not sure using public data is a pretty good like substitute. Travis, any final thoughts on survivor pools and kind of off what Jason just talked about behavior, which again, that's a hard one to gauge, I think still. Right. Yeah, I, I still, even just writing articles last year, you'd get feedback of, oh, I'm never taking teams on the road or I'm never I'm never taking the Thursday game. They just make up these rules that are kind of arbitrary with no like data behind them. But I, I still see that a lot. And maybe that's just, you know, Twitter being Twitter. But yeah, I think a lot of people are really just focused on maybe this week and maybe next week. But I think the big thing is what Jason said. I agree with him. They're just not thinking about what everyone else is doing in their pool. It's just, okay, what's my best pick this week? Jason, final thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, follow up just real quick on Travis. I I concur. In fact, it's not just Twitter. People like to avoid road teams. They like to avoid division matchups. They have it convinced in their head that somehow the betting markets don't aren't aware that games are played on the road or right. against division opponents. Like that's not part of the line. You should not think that a four point non division game is a better favorite than a seven point division game because that's not the case. You can look at the data. Go study the data. I mean, it's there. Thursday games, huge value plays. Uh, obviously, the risk of a Thursday pick in some survivor pools is you lock yourself out of line movement. If something good happens between that and Sunday morning, but Thursday is another value opportunity, as Travis mentioned. So yeah, all those things are things that I think typical survivor players uh, have biases toward and give you value if you can just go with kind of logic and numbers. And just off the top of my head, too, you make a great point. Like, like the Chiefs are a very public team to pick in a parlay because of the popularity of their weapons. I'm really talking about last year's team. But they survive week one, and then it's built into the line when they play a team like Baltimore and the Chargers early in the season. And that's when they started one and two, and everyone, you know, and even they started two and three also when you add it all up. Now, on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. Folks at Action Network also use it for theirs. It's a game-changing product, unlike anything else in the industry. And now, you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like, and pick the over or the under. For example, rushing yards in football or number of points in basketball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my friends' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my group picks with the tap of a button along with the over-under integrated into the fantasy experience itself. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game, have fun with your friends, and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash action, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash action, and you'll get $100 matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. We transition now from survivor pools to pick and pulls. One of the popular pick and pull varieties that are styled after Westgate Super Contest, participants pay an entry fee and then pick five games against the spread each week. So this is why we, we talked spreads a little bit in Survivor. It really is a factor here in the pick and pulls. We've seen versions of this copied and adjusted by a few other U.S. sports books, but the allure is pretty clear. All you have to do, all you have to do, I feel like that could really go to anything in life. All you have to do is pick five games per week from start to finish. The greatest NFL betting season of your life. Win a million bucks. It sounds so freaking easy. Jason, explain the basics of pick and pull strategy, big differences between a novice better or a, a novice pick and pull person versus a professional grade person over the course of a season. We kind of touched on it when talking about the survivor pools, but the same concept still applies to other football pools like pick and pools, where you're whether you're picking 16 games or, or five against the spread or whatever. Most people think about, they just look down the list. Who do I think will win? 
That's the worst way to do it. If you want to do it that way, just go bet. You can get the line you want and what happens only impacts you. But to win a contest, you're playing against people. You're playing against other people with flaws. And so you have to think about how people behave. You're not, you're not in a handicapping contest when you're in the Westgate Superbook or your local five, pick five league. You're in a contest to see who can get the best equity and make the, the highest value picks. And part of that involves thinking about how other people are going to pick. You want to take unpopular picks when there's leverage there. When people are not paying attention to the three-point dog and only 5% are picking them, that's a pick you should want because – if they succeed, you're going to move against a large percentage of the field. Anyway, that's the biggest factor. How other people pick, you need to think about it. Great time to remind people at home, if you do not have a pro account with Action Network, you can look and see where the money is, right? Where the money's coming in, percentage of the bets, percentage of the money coming in on a certain game. Always a nifty tool to help you gauge some of the things Jason's talking about. Travis, how would you respond as far as the approach to pick and pulls? Yeah, we're in lockstep agreement on this one as well. There's a big difference between having more points or getting more correct than your opponents versus getting the most correct. And I think trying to have people think that way is pretty difficult because they seem like they're the same thing. Well, if I just get the most right, then I'll win. But it's just really hard. Like if you've ever done it, just pick five games. It's hard to win them all, especially with the way a lot of them are set up with stale lines. You know, you'll see line movement and then... Everyone wants to jump on, oh, I'm getting a free point and a half of line movement. You don't even have to take the team they're going against. Just avoid that team. So, yeah, just it's more of a human behavior type uh, game theory than it is just, okay, what's the best picks? Here's the lines. So it's it's a much different game than I think most people perceive it as. You just got to pay attention to the pick popularity. Don't assume you know how people are going to pick. Like you mentioned, uh, Houston, I would say most public picks are – uh, favorites, right? But that's a case where it's not, right? So, so look at the actual data. Don't assume the three-point favorites are going to be all the most popular. See what people are actually picking. Sometimes it's it, you can't predict what people like what what people are going to think. I can point to some things that people have biases on. Recent performance the week before. You can bet that if a team blew somebody out, they're going to get a large percentage. But all that stuff, you know, check the actual numbers because sometimes they surprise you and go with the numbers. And, and some folks just might look at it and go. Yes, that team's getting eight and a half points. No one else is getting more than them. I like that. I want to start with a lead, Uh, (laughs) more than a touchdown lead in the the first quarter. We've certainly seen participation in pick and pulls. Some of the biggest pick and pulls explode over the last decade, uh, due in part to Action Network content boss. You can find him on the favorites pod, Chad Millman from his time at ESPN. But outside of popularity, Jason, have you noticed any changes in how participants make selections in these super contest style pick and pulls? No, not that much. I I do think you're getting an influx of people because it's popularity and it is increased. And so that may uh, decrease what other people have done. But if you look at the super contest, I went back and looked. The most popular picks have barely cleared 50% back in 2013, 14, 15, 16. And also last year, I think they were slightly under. And so I'm not sure that the group as a large has gotten sharper. And I think that it's also because, like we said, I'm not sure that most people are playing the game they think they're playing. It's not a strict handicapping contest. It's where can I leverage against the other handicappers? Where they have biases that I can then pick against that 
and, and shoot up the standings if I'm right. Because you're most likely going to lose those contests. You want to hit the nuts when you get it right. When, when, when you get it right, you want to shoot up the standings and you want to find the, uh, the set of outcomes that get you to first place. So Travis, we give all this advice on approach, but try to now, as we did in the survivor discussion, take us inside the brain of a participant. What types of changes have you noticed, if any? I still think most people are going to go into that just trying to pick their five picks every week and try to go four and one or five and oh, not realizing that there's a different way to think about it. And like you said, looking at the pick percentages, trying to figure out what other people are doing, trying to put a value. Okay. If I pick this team, how much more would I move up versus if I pick up, pick this team, especially later in the season. um, If you're behind in the standings, you may actually want to go against some of those line moves. You know, you have a quarterback that's out, you know, there's a three point line move, you know, all the field's going to be, you know, taking that favorite. You might just take the other side, even though in itself, it, that bet would be really bad to make. If you just went to FanDuel and made that bet, it would be bad. In this pool, it would actually be a good bet because that's the only way to gain ground back on the field since you've lost some. Jason Lisk, uh, final thoughts for us before we, uh, we, we send you off? I just want to leave you with this. It's hard to win pools. Even if you're good at it, it's hard to win pools, especially if you're winning to win lots of money. Like you're entering pools where you may have a 1% chance or less to win it, right? So use good strategies, but also play different contests, find different outs, play multiple entries, do things to diversify your portfolio. So if you're successful in one type of pool, maybe maybe you had an off year in another, but you're going to still turn a profit uh, because it can be hard to win pools and we don't have 50 years of our life to do it. So one way to, one way to increase your shots is to play in a lot of different pools and enter lots of entries. Travis, any closing thoughts? Oh, you're not going to get any disagreement. Play as many as you can afford to play. Yeah, I would just encourage people to think about these games in a different way than just uh, as straightforward as it is. Play these games for free and just see how hard they are if you're not sure. Uh, Play it one year. Just kind of go through, okay, what if I was doing this? What if I were doing that? And then maybe next year you're ready to take the leap. But look into the game theory behind these games that look really simple on the outside, but are really fun and complex once you get into them. Action Network veteran Travis Reed, and also thanks to Jason Lisk, who joins us from Pool Genius and Team Rankings. Pool Genius has become the top-rated source for algorithmic NFL pool picks and strategy Great stuff from both of you. Really appreciate the time. Looking forward to a fun year. Again, for any listeners looking for an advantage in their pools this season, you can access a free trial of Pool Genius for NFL Week 1 by heading to poolgenius.com action, where you can also receive up to 55% off a season subscription. Again, that's poolgenius.com action, or just follow the link in this episode's description. Coming up on the Action Network podcast later this week, our final UFC betting preview of the season. Sean Zarillo, Billy Ward, and I break down UFC Paris. That comes your way tomorrow, so be sure to join us then. Next week, we've got NFL Week 1. Tons of great content, starting with our NFL Season Leaders episode with Chris Raybon, Brandon Anderson, and Jill Gallant dropping Monday morning to get your Labor Day started. For Jason Lisk, Travis Reed, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for listening, everybody. Best of luck. Pool season is here, and we'll join you next time on the Action Network Podcast.